Hello and welcome to On Mission, a podcast by the Catholic Apostolate Center. My name is Kate Fowler and I am joined by Father Frank Donio, Chris Pierno, and we will be discussing church management with our guest, Jonathan Sitko. Welcome, John. Welcome uh, to this uh, podcast. Uh, for those those of our listeners that are not familiar with John, previous guest on, on the podcast, John is the Catholic Apostolate Center's Director of Programs and a recent graduate from the Villanova School of Business Program in Church, Master's Program in Church Management. Welcome. Welcome, John. Thank you. Very, very nice. John, before we before we turn this over to uh, to the rest of us, why don't you why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about when we say the word church management, you know, what are what are the thoughts that come to mind for you? What is it? Well, I think for a lot of people, there's a bunch of different terms and terminology and understandings of church management. I was fortunate when I went to Villanova for two years to get my master's in church management. One of the things they wanted us to define what church management is. And for them, and I think would be helpful for the purposes of our conversation is understanding that church management is is really just the utilization of all of our tools, gifts, resources, et cetera, for the use in our parishes and church communities, whether that's a parish, whether it's a diocese, whether that's a nonprofit organization, like a Catholic charities, it's really just the understanding and utilization of those gifts and talents for the purposes of the work of mission of going forth. John, some people might be surprised that there's even a whole field of church management and even a master's program, let alone, you know, maybe they figure, oh, maybe there's a course, a management course or something about leadership or and that type of thing. But what what does a church management program look like? Well, I think as you know, because you also took this program, so I, I don't want to take only the credit that I like. I came up with this in terms of my research. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll, but, we'll put a disclaimer in there. Yeah. yeah. So. One of the 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 beauties of church management, if you get it with a like a Catholic focus, is a big thing is they don't necessarily want to just utilize business terms, and they don't necessarily just want to utilize like church documents. But it's the synthesis of of you know what is current in the world and what tools you can utilize for furthering the mission of the church. That's no different than when you talk about communications, when you talk about any of these sorts of things that you use for the church, you know, you want to utilize a bunch of skills. So you learn things like stewardship. That is a very Catholic idea, but you would flip it into, you know, how do you manage your parish finances or how do you manage your parish's endeavors, for example, and then your normal stuff, like your, your management principles, et cetera, but understanding it in the lens of Catholic doctrine, Catholic social teaching, and all of these sorts of fair, fair labor practices, et cetera, et cetera, that are important for us as Catholics to acknowledge are out there. And you even you had to, a, a theology, a couple of theology courses that you had to take as well as part of the program, right? Mm-hmm. On ecclesiology, understanding essentially how the church functions as an organization, from its earliest incarnations and, and establishments from Christ and Peter to Vatican II to today. You know, how does the church function as an organization itself? And that serves as a great example for us in sort of smaller areas of the church to apply some of those same principles. Now, John, I think a lot of people are hearing church management and they might not be familiar again with that, that term. So thank you for defining that. And they might think immediately to like a parish council. What would you say is the difference between church management, church council? Do they work together? And kind of what what does that relationship look like in the church? 
That's a, that's a very interesting question. I think church management is sort of the umbrella that you would utilize sort of all of the aspects of the management and leadership of a church or a parish or whatever it might be. If we're talking specifically parish councils, so we'll talk about the parish entity. A church management relates from the pastor on down to the volunteers, that it's it's essentially just understanding how the church as an organization functions. And then parish councils, which are a great tool of understanding church management, can serve as a function of involvement of the laity as well as the pastor in the work of the management of the of the parish. You know, there's a variety of ways it can can manifest, but you know, understanding parish management can include your DREs as well as your volunteers. Whereas parish pastoral councils are a specific group of the pastor with his you know close associates, generally the lay, in sort of the visioning of the church. That is an aspect of church management. You know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, the 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 kind of the the fundamentals of this. And I can't help but think, you know, the idea, the field of church management has really been around since since the time of Jesus. I mean, 12 disciples, you know, each one of them had their gifts and talents and Jesus managed them properly, sent them on their way. You know, they were the early leaders of the church. It's just fascinating to think, you know, we the Catholic Church has been managing people for 2000 years and. You know, some we can have another discussion on whether or not we've been doing it well. But, you know, um, I think it's, you know, it's, people may not realize that the idea, right, of church management, management in general, we tend to think of a secular term. But the, the program that John and that Father and many others have gone through, not just at Villanova, but elsewhere, you know, t- takes these aspects of the secular world the, the, the practical management of people and talents, right? But then blends it with this spiritual theological component, which I think is, is a really fascinating portion of that all. When St. Paul, he lists out a number of things, and administration is one of them. That might surprise people that the literally the word administration is there of, of all these different people have different gifts and different things that they're they're doing. But one of them he he sees as administration because there's there was a need to organize things. And you know, I mean, unfortunately, the the one who betrayed Jesus held the purse and and was taking. So there was the first you know church embezzlement uh, that occurred. But you have this this reality of it was organized to your point uh, Chris it was very organized and organized for the point of evangelization because if your organization if if the church itself the body of Christ is not functioning properly if the basic needs aren't being met then you're not going to be able to effectively go out if if the people that are called to be going out aren't well formed or fed themselves then the church isn't going to work and so you know people kind of might cringe when they hear church management but it's it's so necessary and fundamental to a thriving church Church. John, did you, was it interesting studying this during the time of the COVID-19 pandemic? And how do you think that this particular time in history affected just your studies of church management and, and what the church understands as church management today? So that's actually a really great question. And I, when I was nearing finishing my degree to date sort of the episode was May, 2021. And so I'd actually even written a blog post. I think that's probably part of what you're referencing, Kate, about the sort of reflection of that piece. And I think the biggest thing I reflected on was the understanding of what makes a healthy parish and what makes a healthy organization were two different things than I when I entered the program and when I have left the program because of COVID-19. 
when I had entered the program, my thought of a parish being healthy was, you know, there were just plenty of activities. It was wealthy. It had large populations, et cetera, you know, and other people, probably a number of the people listening to this conversation would assume those are signs of a healthy parish. In going through the program, in thinking through those fundamental questions in the midst of COVID, one of the things that we we were taught, we had learned, and I've taken with me since graduating and sort of carry forward is this question of how are the people engaged? In what ways are the people engaged? Are they just depositing cash in, into the bank accounts or are they actually you know, treating the parish as a community for which they can serve and become missionary disciples or apostles or whatever disciples, whatever terms you would want to use? That goes to a much more fundamental, much more complicated question than simply, does this parish have a ton of activities? Does this parish have a lot of money? You know, are they utilizing the fundamentals of hospitality or accompaniment or spiritual encounter with Christ? You know, those were some of the things I had really thought about while studying as well as experiencing COVID. Just from my personal experience, I had a parish I thought was a very healthy parish. And come to find out it 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 lacked on some of those fundamental accompaniment, encounter and community building activities that you sort of take for granted. How would you see that as a movement from which we've heard a number of times, this movement from maintenance mode to mission mode. Does that is that kind of the direction you see yourself going in 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 what you what you were talking about earlier? Yes, I mean fundamentally, that's what you would be talking about. It's it's not all parishes are made for the exact same purpose, and I think that's the other thing I've learned from the program was just because a parish is small doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad parish. As long as, I mean, if it has a dedicated group of people that really treats itself as that community for people, I think that's one of those things that is a necessary thing in today's climate. I wrote another blog post probably, I don't know, a year in, right at the start of COVID about this increasing call or increasing awareness of loneliness and isolation amongst people. And, you know, parishes for the longest time used to be the centers of community activity. Can we say the same thing about that now? And if not, why are they not? And so I think church management, a big thing is questioning and and utilizing some of the business principles, but also just some of our fundamental theology in sort of reviewing and not taking anything for granted, not assuming everything that you're doing in this sort of maintenance mode will work in the in the coming years for sustainability, for long term longevity and for growth. So one of the aspects of the discussion we've been having tonight and, and some of the blog posts, John's written a lot of blog posts about about this. One of the things you talked about was identifying gifts and cultivating, you know, the, the volunteer, your staff, et cetera. You know, what are some best practices from a church management perspective of uh, identifying and cultivating particular talents or gifts of your staff or volunteers? You know, how, do you, how, can, how can you go about that? Well, I think it, it depends on what stage you are in your parish. I mean, if we're going to assume the sort of stereotypical parish that's been around for, you know, 50, 100 years or so and has sort of been in this maintenance mode and really wants to give a good effort in sort of evolving itself into more of a mission-focused parish, it needs to take a look at itself in the hard process of pastoral planning. I think that's like the biggest and toughest first step for parishes because it it makes them look at who they are as an organization, who they are as a church, and ask them to give an honest look at themselves. Like, do they have a mission and vision for their parish? Can they answer what the values of their parish are? And then by then, can they identify the staff and volunteers and programs that would help fulfill the, the mission 
the vision and the goals of what their what their parish is trying to achieve. You'd be surprised if you ever go on to like look at a parish bulletin, look at a parish website, how rare it is to see parishes that can non-generically say that they're like a Catholic parish in whatever location. You know, in what ways can they actually say we are a community that is built on these principles or these ideas um, and these values that are unique to itself and then make it a unique community. And then by extension, the programs or the ideas, et cetera, that actually make a difference. Some have spoken of a, a budget being a moral document and really speaking to what the true priorities are. What would you say to to that? And and do you see that as accurate in, in some of your what you've experienced thus far? I personally and even through my studies believe that to be 100 percent accurate, that parishes that think through the mission aspects of their church, utilize their budgets and utilize the priorities of where they put their money as a reflection of who they are as an organization. I mean, how many parishes have staff and funds going to these sort of activities they've had for decades? I mean, these are tough questions. Let me let me parse this out. Just back up a sec. These are tough questions. Like, for example, the parish picnic that has been around for two decades. If you're putting five to ten thousand dollars of your budget every year into this entity, is it, you have to sometimes question: Is this the best use of our goods? The best use of our our resources? And church management looks. I mean, that's the fundamentals of church management: is looking at those things and and asking the question: Does it bring people closer to God? A lot of parishes have paid DREs. They don't have, for example, young adult ministers in their parishes, paid staff at really any level. Those all dictate your priorities. And to someone who is either in the parish or a visitor of the parish, those kind of visible signs are are an understanding of where the priorities of the parish are. And I, I think that's a thing that a lot of parishioners in particular don't think about. Because, you know, the budget's a hard thing. It's all number, per se. To some people, it's like, well, these are just the things we have to do. There are certain things you have to do, like paying rent or paying for maintenance, et cetera, et cetera. Those are some of your assumed and sunk costs. But when you get to the point where you're putting in priorities for, like, a school, or you're putting priorities in for, like, banquets, for example. I, I had a classmate in my cohort who was talking how the diocese that he worked in had a budget item every year of $50,000 for uh I think it was like marriage count or marriage prep volunteers or something like that. And they couldn't get any money for, for example, youth ministry events, for example, in that same kind of fashion. And so, you know, that's a diocesan example, but I'm sure we could all talk to people in parishes who have those same kind of considerations that because you're spending money here, it may mean that you're not spending money somewhere else. That does dictate your priorities, whether you think about it or not. And so, you know, for the average person listening to this, maybe sitting in the pew or, or just a parishioner, I think they might be thinking, okay, well, is church management just for certain people like John who have this master's degree or for the parish priest or for so-and-so who's been at the parish for 10 years? What would you say to that person who wants to get involved? Should they get involved? Like, what is the role of each person sitting in the pew, each parishioner? How can they participate in church management? I would love sort of you guys as sort of other kinds of parish experts to talk about this a little bit. But just from sort of my like experience and understanding, everyone has gifts and talents. I think uh, to Chris's question a little bit earlier, identifying whoever the leaders are, and it doesn't have to be paid staff, by the way. This is anyone can be involved in this work. It's a matter of identifying your gifts and saying that I'm present. It's tough work. 
I've thought about it once the toughest thing, the, the best gift for someone in a parish to have is persistence and fortitude in that sense. Because in ideal sense, your gifts will always be recognized and appreciated. But in a lot of parishes, you're not necessarily, if you're a volunteer, going to have that, uh, the best reaction. And that's a sad reality at times, but it's also an accurate reality in a number of churches. And I think taking a look at sort of what your gifts are, if it's you know art, if it's writing, whatever it might be, and trying to really discern and think through like, what can I do to help serve my community with the gifts that I have? And then identifying a couple of key people who could help you utilize those gifts for the common good, whether it's the pastor, whether it's a paid staff, whether it's a friend in a ministry lead that you might know. Yeah, you know, immediately what I was thinking about when you asked that question, Kate, was, well, I think it's going to be different for everyone to John's point, but I think it's on us as lay lay people, especially, um, and particularly people who are involved in our parish, but you know, maybe are hesitant or whatever the case may be, you know, we have to kind of raise our hand. We do have to, to John's, to John, use John's word, be persistent. And because, you know, sometimes you may be there raising your hand, jumping up and down saying, I can do this, I can help. And perhaps the structure or ingrained mentality is that's nice. But, you know, persistence will, you know, hopefully pay off. And, you know, like we've been talking about, if you have these gifts and talents that you want to put to good use to serve the church, Raising your hand is a great first step. In some situations, you know, hopefully maybe it will take you a while to get noticed. But in other situations, there there are starving for people to raise their hands and say, I'm willing to step up and help out in this way or lead a small group or even participate on a parish council of some kind, you know, that... It just takes a first opportunity to just raise your hand and say, I'm willing to help, to volunteer, to to, to, to serve in some way. That's how I would answer that question. I think also it, it's the transparency and accountability. When I think about some of my brother priests, and, and it's important to to have a, a degree, a, more than a degree, especially in a parish setting, of what what is the budget? What are the not only just what the what the bottom line finances? Oh, in collection we got this, and in the capital campaign we got that. But how are we using it? And that's where communication comes in. I mean, what what do you see, John, as critical aspects of communication when it comes to managing, particularly in a in a parish setting? So, in thinking of it as sort of like as a leader, defining it however you want to define it. I think in terms of communication, the Definitely the most important thing that you had mentioned was what you had mentioned, transparency. Whether it comes to the finances, whether it comes to some of the decision-making structures, whether it comes to you know even just the communication and transparency on who to contact if you want to get involved in something. I mean, I can't tell you how many times it's really hard to find just the simple information of like who's the coordinator of volunteers, for example, in a parish. And across the board, let, let alone like the bajillion ministries or something like that. But there should be always just somebody who you can reach out to for information about that kind of stuff or to sign up for a parish bulletin or whatever it is. The other thing is is consistency in communication. I think that's the other most important thing. And I think parishes in particular, but communities, organizations, et cetera, would be incredibly well served if they just remember those two principles. That just because you promoted something once doesn't mean that it that anybody even listened to it the first time. And we did a lot of case studies in my my grad school, which I think was very helpful because one of the examples was 
and this I'm sure is going to be relevant to some of the people listening, was the the hypothetical of a real life situation of parish closures in a diocese and how to communicate whatever decision is made on the part of the diocese or, or the parish. And we did a parish example of something slightly different. That's a very relevant church management topic, but it's also a very practical topic in parishes today is like, how do you communicate a large decision? Like, let's say you're not something like a parish closure, but let's just say you're trimming down masses from, say, four a day, or four on a Sunday to three. Some people are going to be very upset that you you trimmed whatever mass you picked. And so how do you communicate those things? And I think if you do the two things I had mentioned, being transparent about the why to it, the best you can. Obviously, if there's legal situations and stuff like that, you don't want to get into that too much. But most of the time, you're not talking about those kinds of, of communication problems. The other thing is being consistent about it and being over communicative than under communicative. You know, if you know three months out that you're going to have to shut down the 10 a.m. Uh, Sunday mass, starting three months out, explaining what it is, offering alternatives, exploring, you know, other types of communication, whether it's through the bulletin, in the pulpit, at the lectern, whatever you try, try to do on the other Sunday masses. Plus now, because we have social media incorporating that, being over communicative works out very well. Very few people outside of the people who are doing the work are going to say you are over communicating this big change for us. I mean, there's a bunch of other things in terms of communication, but I think those two things, if you do those well, you're going to be in a much better place than the parishes who don't do those two things well. I would very much agree. I think that's one of the things, especially when there's people are watching closely, people who are active parishioners are watching particularly where funds are being spent. And if are, are they being spent in the rectory? Are they being spent for something for the church? Where are the funds going? Is it something that's just someone's particular taste or idiosyncrasy or whatever it might be that they that they're playing out and and that that there's been no no dialogue no communication that's that's occurred. I think it's important for people to know that while interestingly enough and we'll be talking in another podcast at length and and over time about parish pastoral councils while they're not mandated they're recommended by canon law a finance council is mandated for parishes and dioceses in canon law, which is really fascinating. It very much speaks to the mind of the church when it comes to accountability, that, that these individuals on this finance committee are supposed to be there advising in a very significant way how stewardship of the funds that people have given, how those funds are used by the parish, that it's not just father deciding simply. And while he has the say in that, and then also I think people don't also realize that a lot that a certain amount of funds also triggers diocesan decision making. And the same is true in in religious communities. Yeah, I think uh, one of the classes I took, which was a very eye-opening class, was simply on financial reporting. Like being able to build a level of competency in not necessarily being an accountant, even though the class was taught by a CPA. It was literally being able to look at your parish audit, which hopefully parishes are doing that. Most dioceses are required to do that by their own established rules as an outside audit every year, every couple of years. But to be able to look at the finances and just say in quite honestly, like, this is where the money is going. This is what's on the, the horizon. Here are the questions that are done. And, you know, that was, a, I mean, in many ways, that's a modern interpretation of, of the canons in that way of having a finance council. You know, in many ways, the church, when it does it well, and we really acknowledge it, is really ahead of the curve on a lot of this stuff in the sense of like utilizing outside experts and utilizing the lady in their expertise 
in these things. It, it just takes that that cyclical reminder that that these things are available and that we can utilize them and that they are inherently Catholic. That we aren't just like secularizing stuff on because that's a that's one of my like great sort of critiques is sometimes we want to just adopt business language and just use that the same. And then sometimes we just want to sort of hope and wish that things will get better. But, you know, God and the church in their infinite wisdom have talked through the importance of acknowledging the gifts and talents of the people in your communities and utilizing them for the church because those are God-given talents. And I think that's one of those things I just like or I like to get on my soapbox about just because I think sometimes we forget the importance of the sort of Catholicness, I guess, of of church management, that it's not just a, a last 30 year thing. It's it's been in the church for a very long time. We just are now really focusing on the tools of the modern world in interpreting it for the good of the church. So, John, what would you say are just some misconceptions within the church about church management? A couple of the biggest misconceptions about church management are, one, that it's just business speak, that you're just talking about sort of like, it's like MBA light type stuff, that it's just, you're going to be selling widgets and you're selling the salvation of souls for a spreadsheet kind of thing. You know, that it's all transactional and all just, you know, we can't do a program or we can't do a project because it doesn't yield enough money. That's a common one, even in my cohort when they came in, that they were just focused so much about just purely the dollars and cents, like everything yields more money kind of thing. But church management and on the flip side, people are just like, oh, kind of wishy-washy, kind of just like, you know, we'll figure it out. God will just provide if we just pray hard enough. And, you know, a big thing is understanding that the church has given us a number of opportunities to sort of really reflect, really discern on how to best utilize what's around us for the betterment of the church. Another misconception is just the idea that you can't, that it's either or, that there isn't a balance. That one of the things that, for example, I've really started to really take interest in is understanding how to utilize data in a in an effective way for, for parishes or organizations. We started to do that ourselves, for example, with webinars, because getting qualitative data helps inform your and discern based on whoever your audience is and for us it's active catholics what kinds of materials are most effective for them you know who the the fine community is i think you know i i've been a part of the center for about seven years i will give credit before i came is a very clearly defined group of people which helps define sort of the vision and the goal setting and the purpose of the organization in that way. One of our exercises was simply looking at your organization and reflecting on that. And I had asked for a new organization just because a big part of it was to critique and improve upon things. And I, I honestly looked at it trying to improve it, but it got to the point where I was nitpicking stuff because it's like clearly understood the vision, the mission statement, and the audience. And I think a lot of times in a misconception is understanding that church management is just purely looking at it again from a business perspective as opposed to the to the missionary perspective. That this all serves the betterment of the church, not because it's looking inward and only looking at the past, but it's supposed to really serve looking at the future of the organization, looking at the future of the parish. Thank you so much, John. It's been wonderful learning more about church management, cultivating parish talents, and just the role that the lady can play within this. Be sure to check out John's posts on the Ad Infinitum blog. We mentioned two of them as well as our collaboration and ministry resource page on the Catholic Apostolate Center website. 
We are also excited about the new book that our center advisor, Dr. Susan Timoney, wrote, specifically talking about this and church councils. It's called In Service to the Parish and the Church, a formation series for parish pastoral councils. And that's available on our website to purchase. This wraps up another episode of On Mission by the Catholic Apostolate Center. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to continue listening, be sure to like, review, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Find us and other Center podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, or www.catholicapostolatecenter.org. Thank you. Thank you.